I promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak-willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 141. O Lord, I call to you. Come to me quickly. Hear my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer rise before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch before my mouth, O Lord, and guard the door of my lips. Let not my heart incline to any evil thing. Let me not be occupied in wickedness with evildoers, nor eat of their sweet foods. Let the righteous strike me. Their rebukes as oil upon the head are not to be refused. Yet my prayers are continually against the deeds of the wicked. Let their rulers be thrown down upon the stones, that they may hear my words, for they are sweet. Just as one who tills the earth breaks the rock, so let their bones be scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are turned to you, Lord God. In you I take refuge. Strip me not of my life. Guard me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, while I alone pass through. Amen. From Ezekiel 21, beginning at the 18th verse. The word of the Lord came to me again. As for you, son of man, mark two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to come. Both of them shall come from the same land and make a signpost. Make it at the head of the way to a city. Mark a way for the sword to come to Rabbah of the Ammonites and to Judah and to Jerusalem the fortified. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the way at the head of the two ways to use divination. He shakes the arrows. He consults the teraphim. He looks at the liver. Into his right hand comes the divination for Jerusalem to set battering rams, to open the mouth with murder, to lift up the voice with shouting, to set battering rams against the gates, to cast up mounds, to build siege towers. But to them it will seem like a false divination. They have sworn solemn oaths, but he brings their guilt to remembrance that they may be taken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your guilt to be remembered in that your transgressions are uncovered so that in all your deeds, your sins appear because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand and you, O profane, wicked one. Prince of Israel, whose day has come, the time of your final punishment, thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they are. Exalt that which is low and bring low that which is exalted. A ruin, 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 I will make it. This also shall not be until he comes, the one to whom judgment belongs, and I will give it to him. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, thus says the Lord God concerning the Ammonites and concerning their reproach. Say a sword, a sword is drawn for the slaughter. It is polished to consume and to flash like lightning. While they see for you false visions, while they divine lies for you, to place you on the necks of the profane wicked, whose day has come, the time of their final punishment. Return it to its sheath. In the place where you were created, in the land of your origin, I will judge you, and I will pour out my indignation upon you. I'll blow upon you with the fire of my wrath, and I will deliver you into the hands of brutish men, 
skillful to destroy. You shall be fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall be no more remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're coming back here after a a week of vacation. Uh, My family and I took a a little trip together for a week and, and wanted to take a break uh, from recording for a little bit, and and now we're back to finish up chapter twenty one of Ezekiel, where where previously we were talking about the the coming destruction, and it, and it seems like it's this long wait, right? We're continually told over and over and over again that Babylon is coming, that that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, that Judah is going to be taken away, and and. So here in 21, we get two separate sections. Uh, that first section really does talk about, you know, no, it's coming. It is going to happen, right? That there's, there is uh, no, uh, there's no chance for any other recourse other than the fact that God is going to bring this judgment. Well, the second half uh, deals more with the, the reality that God, you know, lays it out as a plan uh, within the, the hands of the king of Babylon, but God uses what he's going to use to make that decision here. So he says, uh, mark two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to come. You, you know, so basically there's a signpost. He says, as Babylon is going to be coming towards Israel, create a signpost. One pointing towards the Ammonites and one pointing, pointing towards Jerusalem. And there, the uh, king of Babylon is going to cast lots. He's going to try and divine which direction should he go. Should he go and destroy the Ammonites first, or should he uh, go and uh, destroy Judah and Jerusalem first? And the decision is made that it is to be Jerusalem. Basically, God's saying, I'm going to use his very sins, his his divination, the looking at the liver, the the going to to evil spirits, the the all of these things. I'm going to use that stuff in order to bring about a transformation and a decision that I'm going to make about your your destiny, your future. God's saying that He will use whatever He is going to use for the. Uh, the destruction of his people, which is crazy. And yet, and I've talked about this before, that God looks at the world and he sees our sin and he says, I can use that. And so he he looks at us. He looks at the king of Babylon and he says, okay, I'm going to use what the king of Babylon uses to bring to bring this about. That it's going to look like in the mind of the king of Babylon, possibly, that it wasn't Yahweh who sent him. It was his own... Uh, divination that was to send him to uh to jerusalem to to destroy and so there's this all you know uh the the pulling out of arrows the the notion that uh you'd have two arrows in a in in the 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 thing the the backpack thing whatever the quiver whatever it's called uh and and you'd shake them about and the guy would pull them out and whichever one was in the right hand uh was the decision right so you'd have one arrow that says the ammonites the other that says jerusalem and ta-da here we are right and yet with all of this uh the the israelites the the jews are still going to say oh no this is false what you're saying, Ezekiel, is not true. It's not true. We're the chosen people. Nothing should happen to us. 
And it's this, it, it, it should be a word of warning. And we've talked about this a lot and we're going to continue to talk about it because we are a people who do not understand suffering in God. We do not understand the reality of, um, that, that, uh, as Christians, uh, as people who trust in Christ and trust in God, that suffering is part of life, that it's going to come to us, and that possibly God's discipline is going to come to us to bring about transformation, to teach a lesson, to to do whatever is needed uh, within that. Here you have the Israelites, the, the Jews, be, being just like us, in the sense of uh, we we don't want to believe that uh, God may not have a wonderful plan for our life, that God will have a plan for a life, but it might not be wonderful, right? That that we we can't possibly imagine that God would uh, ordain for us a a difficult destiny, ordain for us uh, uh, some tragedy and some pain in our lives, ordain for us failure. We, we can't imagine that that is the case. Instead, uh, what we do is we, we skip through life thinking that um, God is, is all about making everything great, living our best life now, that, that one preacher teaches. And no, that's not the case. If you read your Bible literally, meaning reading it for what it says, it points to the fact that God's sovereign will in and amongst us can often be all sorts of things. Going, going so far as to say, uh, hello, the cross? Hello? <laughs> that, that God ordained suffering and pain for the work of redeeming the world? So how can it be that we will want to deny the fact that God has a plan for our lives, but it might not be wonderful, that it could come as pain, it could come as heartache, it could come as difficulty, right? But, but that's where we run into the problems of trying to discern evil and why do bad things happen to good people and all these things, because we live in a world of scales. We live in a world of karma. We live in a world of assuming that we will do what we will do and we will deserve something from that doing, right? That, that because we've been a good person, because we haven't lied, cheated, or stealed, God has to reward us as though we have him bound, that we have him captured, that he's our genie in the bottle, when that's not the case at all. Instead, the question should be, why do bad things happen? Well, part of that is because there's bad people all around us. Uh, part of it could be because God is trying to teach us something and we just have no idea, but we have to trust him anyways, right? There, there's so many things that, that we could add to this, that we have to figure out a way to, to try and understand God's will. But we shouldn't be sitting here uh, traipsing through life thinking that only the good things are God's will and the bad things are not. There's a possibility that that most recent failure you had in your life, that was God's will. For some reason, that was God's will, right? We don't, we don't know why, but it was God's will. Well, it, it could go in many different directions in that way, but it's still true. It's still true. I could preach on this so I'm blue in the face. I could preach on this every single Sunday and, and probably not get through to you. But the reality for you needs to change. 
the, the way that you understand how somehow you have God on a leash needs to be thrown out. We need to figure out something else. Well, it continues to say, basically, because, because all your sins are open. Because your guilt is there. You're not denying any of these things. It's going to happen. And then there is this, this turn, right? Where he turns his face towards the prince of Israel. And, and says, your time has come. You are not protected. In part, he's speaking to Zedekiah, who, who is put in place as king uh, while Jehoiakim is, is suffering in, in Babylon. Uh, but here he says, uh, remove the turban and take off the crown, meaning remove your royal garments. You are not royal anymore. You are not going to escape the issues uh, things shall not remain as they are, meaning you're, you're not going to remain as king. Things will change. And then we get this line, exalt that which is low and bring low that which is exalted. A ruin, a ruin, a ruin, I will make it, meaning that it's final. It is going to come. This should make you think of a, a passage in Luke 14. You, you've heard it before, and, and we'll hear it uh, oftentimes in our readings uh, on Sundays, especially during the, the third year of the lectionary, uh, and maybe you even read it on your own. Um, but here's the parable of the wedding feast. Uh, Luke 14, beginning at verse 7 and going to verse 11. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down on a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This, again, it, it, it's tied to that, that thinking of, well, bad things shouldn't happen to me. Why? Because there's something special about you? That, that somehow God's favor is more important that for you than for other people. I was thinking about this when I was watching the NCAA track championships, where it's it's as though all the all of the runners and all of the field athletes and everybody uh, has sort of this template of, of what they have to say, where they have to start out by saying, well, I just want to give all glory to God. Oh, I just want to thank my personal Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, for, for giving me this victory. As though God wasn't with uh, the other people in the race as though God wasn't, wasn't helping them in their training, that, that God wasn't present in their lives. I, I'm sitting there listening to them going, well, no, God, God may be with you as you are using your gifts, your skills to do what it is that he uh, needs for you uh, to do. But that doesn't mean somehow that God decided you were going to win over somebody else. Here, Ezekiel speaking to the king and to the, to, I think, the nobility just in general with this assumption that, oh, well, this tragedy is going to come and hit the, the common people, but not us. No, your, your title's not going to save you. 
Your, your uh, uh, genealogy is not going to protect you. The divine right of kings is not going to somehow keep you from the, the difficulties. No, it is coming. It's going to hit you. There's nothing you can do about it. Good luck. <laughs> and I, I, I love this connection between Ezekiel 21 here and Luke 14, where Jesus is the one who says, uh, the ones who humble themselves will be exalted and the ones who exalt themselves will be humbled. How many times it is that we, we fall because we think ourselves absolutely untouchable. When what we have to be are those who subserviate ourselves to another, who give uh, of our lives to a humility that, that connects to God in such a way that we are to say, you will lift me up. And even if you don't, I am only your servant. How might I serve you today, Lord? Even in the pain, even in the heartache, and even in the tears. Well, the last section, he's speaking to the Ammonites because he doesn't want the Ammonites to get too cocky, to think that, oh, well, this difficulty is only going to come to the uh, to Jerusalem, that we got passed up because the divination or, or whatever. No, he's saying, no, it's going to come to you. And it's this lesson for us, uh, two different lessons, I guess. Uh, one uh, comes from Proverbs 24. Turn there if you want, but uh, Proverbs 24 and uh, verses 17 and 18. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. That's interesting. First, don't rejoice over the downfall of your enemies because God might decide he's not going to cause them to fall. So, so we don't want to rejoice over that because we want to make sure they fall, right? No, that's, that's not the lesson here. The lesson is don't be looking around and seeing the, the, the suffering, the pain, the, the sins of those we despise and go, ha, 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 ha. No, we're, we're not supposed to, to allow that to be the case because that just becomes a situation for us to puff ourselves up when instead we are supposed to look at it as, Oh man, I'm sorry, dude. So, you know, having compassion, having having empathy and sympathy, even for for the least of these, and for those that we, you know, want to, uh, uh, we want to see them fall, right? But the other one is that old line of "But for the grace of God, go I." Not, not thinking as though somehow karma has come, just like we were talking about before. Karma has come to this person and has, has passed over me. No. Instead, sit here and go, that could be me. That could be me. But for the grace of God, some reason, he is protecting me. Same thing for us. Same thing for us. How is it that we by the grace of God, can escape some suffering that might come to others, that we don't rejoice over the the perils of others, that we don't allow our pride to think that, oh, nothing bad should happen to me, because then when it does, we get angry or we try and think that God somehow has pulled his favor away from us. No, instead, we look to God and we trust him 
And we say, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. And we continue on in our lives knowing that God is going to be with us. Let's pray. Teach us, good Lord God, to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for reward, except that of knowing that we do your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, church, blessings to you. I continue to share this with others. We've been getting some really random, interesting new listeners around the world. Uh, continue to share it, hand it over to, to folks uh, as, as we're making this slow study through Ezekiel. But I want to make sure that you understand the, the relevance of someone who was being used by God 2,500 years ago and how we might learn from that to trust him and to know that he is our God and he will be with us. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.